following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Every year around back to school time, the commercials start to shift, right? You start seeing a lot more commercials for Old Navy with younger children in them. You start seeing the academy flyers are much less about the new hunting rifle you could buy, the basketball shoes you need, and all of a sudden, every pair of kids' school shoes is gracing the front. I remember uh, when I was a kid, we would get school supplies, but school supplies were purchased as a pallet. There was this pallet of supplies that you needed for that year, and then it was shrink-wrapped together. And I always remember one of my favorite things on the first day of school was you got to cut open the pallet, and you had new crayons, and you had new markers, and you had, you know, new notebooks and all these things, and they were all old within two days. But there was that newness. Every year, it's part of the cycle of our church as well that we see that coming into the school year, things begin to shift. And as we look at that, I thought, wouldn't it be great that as we do back-to-school shopping, back-to-school prep, back-to-school routines, what if we as Narrative Church went back to school? What if we took some time and said, what are some really important pieces of our faith that we need to spend a little bit of time every year remembering that this is a good refresher to come back and go, here's the foundation. Because listen, you're not doing calculus if you didn't do math. Those are both math. You're not doing calculus if you didn't learn how to do addition, right? You're not doing physics if first you haven't done science one. You're not translating or speaking in Spanish with someone if you haven't had first gone through so many flashcards of vocabulary words. So for us as people of faith, there are those basics that are the building blocks for everything else. And so we're going to spend several weeks looking at some of those basic ideas. And the first one that we're going to dive into is talking about confession and absolution. Every Sunday when we come together, we have a liturgy. A liturgy, if you take it back to the Latin, is the work of the people. So we have a work that we do together. We follow a rubric of how we worship. Now listen, you could say, you're right, Ted, I could snooze fest through the worship service, and still know what we're going to do. Great, because here's the reason. I want you, when you go, man, what do I believe? That you can rattle off the Apostles' Creed. There is a purpose behind me doing this to you every week. Because I want that ingrained in us, that we sing together, we confess, we absolve, we confess the Apostles' Creed, we pray, we do all these things with purpose. But why every week do we take time to use from an old setting, divine service one, the confession and absolution? Why is that so important? Maybe you're going, well, I haven't really sinned much this week. Wrong? Like, no. 
we come back to it again and again for one purpose, that we want to be a people who live in reality. We want to be a people who don't walk around the world with blinders on and think, I've got it all right. Because here's what happens if we live outside of this reality. We may become what I would call the religious elite, right? If we don't live in a reality of confession and absolution, particularly confession, we come to this place where we look down at other people because we think, how righteous am I? Look at how good I am. It is a self-righteousness and a facade of perfection that says, I am so holy, I am better than others. That if we live in a place without confession, we build this fairy tale land where our sole focus is on ourselves and how good we are. Now, on the other side of this, we might build a victim mentality that says, Oh, woe is me. Come join me in my tent. I am a poor, miserable sinner. How could anyone love me because I'm so terrible? There's nothing I can do. We see all our faults and all our issues, but instead of doing something about it, we just want to live in that place. It becomes self-flagellation. And in both of those places, we lose a need for a savior, either by self-righteousness or self-loathing. It is a fairy tale land that we have built where we think we can either be good enough or we'll never measure up. The writer of Proverbs writes it like this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. We will fail. It's not a question of when, or it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And so if we want to delude ourselves in self-righteousness or self-loathing, okay, great. But God gives us a tool. He says, confess. Acknowledge what's happening. Live in reality. Don't live in a fantasy land where you think you can be perfect or that you could never attain perfection. Because what does it do? It makes you a liar because it can get worse. Ecclesiastes 7 says it like this. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned and, whoa, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then around our reading from today, we get John, 1 John 1, 8 and 10. And they say it like this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let me read that to you again. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So listen, if we ignore our sin, if we push it away because of self-righteousness or self-loathing, if we ignore that fact, we are calling God a liar. We are looking at him and saying, no, 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 there, there's no sin in my life. I'm fine. I am okay. Now, it would be easy for us to push this 
outside of the church. I don't want you to even think about that. I want you to think about us. Our temptation as Christians is to do this. Is to say, I'm already good enough. I don't need anything. Or how could I possibly be loved? So what confession does, its importance is it brings us back to reality. It acknowledges our sin. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't push it away. It acknowledges that we can't do anything, but it doesn't do it without hope. What confession gives to us is not a chance to simply say, all right, Lord, here's my laundry list of how I'm a terrible human. No, it is a reality where we can walk to the Lord and say, Lord, this, this is where I did it this week. This is where I didn't follow you. This is where I didn't love you. This is where I didn't love my neighbor. And I'm going to put it in front of you. But here's the reason why. Confession in our faith always is followed by absolution. So let's look at that First John passage again, but with verse 9 in it. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. You see, the beauty of confession is that absolution follows. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The goodness of living in the reality that we are not perfect or that we are not worthless is that God says, let me do the work. You confess, I forgive. And it doesn't say just do this once. Over and over and over again, you confess, I forgive. And now we find that we don't live in self-righteousness or self loathing. Instead, we live in a new identity. We are saints who are struggling with sin. Instead of wallowing in, oh, poor, miserable me, I'm a terrible sinner, or saying, look at how great I am, we say, listen, I am a saint. God claimed me, and I'm still struggling. And he brings me back to himself over and over again. Absolution is the gift that keeps on giving. I keep finding myself coming back to this idea that, that scripture talks over and again about a peace that passes understanding. And like a little child, I'm just going, come on, Lord, just drop it on me. What is, where's, Matt's not here. Deanna, are you here somewhere? What's more? What's more? Is, is this more? More. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Let me turn to our parents over here who have kids. So the, the baby sign language for I want more is this. Now, having gone through this with several groups of nieces, more becomes a lot. Like, okay, here's your pouch. You're done with your pouch. All of a sudden, more please. That's what we get in confession and absolution is we request, Lord, give us a peace that passes understanding and it doesn't end. We can just keep going more. Like a little child coming to their parents who know they want to give a good gift. We can come to them and say, give me more. Give me that peace that passes understanding. Confession enables us to see reality, absolution, after it forgives us and washes us clean, enables us to grow. 
It gives us a gift. A lot of times we talk about um, shame in the church. Now we're reading a book as the leadership team here at Narrative called The Other Half of Church. And I wanna read you this quote. Shame is one of the mis uh, most misunderstood words in the church and in our culture. We can distinguish the two types of correction, healthy shame and toxic shame, by whether or not the relationship is affirmed. Are we going to use shame to bring us together or to push us apart? Toxic shame leaves us alone in our shame. So there's a healthy shame there's a toxic shame. Now I'd like, I know as I say the word shame, we're all going, I don't like it. Don't use that word. Well, I'm going to use it because I want you to feel uncomfortable. It's called rhetoric. So what we're going to do is look at this idea of shame and say, listen, shame is that feeling we get when we know we've done something wrong. And correction, when we receive it, we can feel that shame as well. The question is, does that shame get forgiven and transform us in relationship or does it take root and say, you're a terrible person, you couldn't be worth anything, right? That's toxic shame. But a healthy shame that we find in confession and absolution says, Lord, I don't wanna go back to who I was. When I confess, I confess because I want to change, whether it happens right now or it happens in 20 years. Keep teaching me that when I confess my sin, that confession isn't just washing my hands and walking away. It's a commitment to saying, Lord, you're gonna keep forgiving me. And if you keep forgiving me, and that's so good, I want to leave behind my old ways. I want to walk away from them. And it takes time. That's why confession and absolution happens all the time. That's why we do it regularly is because we trust it is not a one-time thing. It is God who says, listen, my forgiveness knows no bounds. And that healthy shame is that he keeps us in relationship with absolution. When we confess, he says, you're right. You were wrong. Here's forgiveness. You're mine. You belong to me. We grow in relationship together. So then how does this happen? How do we confess? How do we absolve? First, it's believer to believer, brother and sister in Christ to each other. Our reading from James. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So this is the priesthood of all believers. You can do this anytime and anywhere. Maybe there's a confession where you have sinned against someone and you need to confess and say, I am sorry for what I've done. But then as a brother and sister in Christ, we can work towards that absolution. Maybe it is a sin you're dealing with and you just need to tell someone, listen, I'm struggling with this and I feel this shame and this guilt. And you need someone to say, listen, Jesus forgives you. You're struggling, but guess what? He brings this to you. Having been on that side, sitting with people who have struggled with a sin that they've told no one about, and all of a sudden they tell you and you get to say, I hear you, go and sin no more, but you are forgiven. That is life-changing then how do we do this as the church? Well, first we have this idea of the office of the keys. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
So as the church together, we hold the keys. That as a local community, we hold on to these keys that God has given us to bind and loose. Now, what we do together is that you have called me as your pastor to be the custodian of those keys, right? I got one of those zip things on my belt and I got every key and I'm just flipping through it. But you've called me here to be in this place to speak for you on the binding and the loosing. It is given to the local church and bestowed upon the pastor, not because I'm holier, not because of any of those things, but because you have asked me to do it. And so the way we see that happening can happen on an individual level. We can do private confession and absolution. You know, and this gets mixed up because what people think of when they think private confession absolution is you're going into the confessional and, you know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. You could do that. You can call me Father. It'd be weird, but you could do it. But if there's ever a point in your life where you say, this sin is weighing on me and I need someone to talk me through this process, that's one of the reasons you have called me here. Because I can sit with you and say, all right, tell me about your sin. Not because I'm back here like keeping a secret journal going, oh my goodness, Lord, did you see what they did today? That's not what we're doing. Because when we speak things, we live in reality. It incarnates it. When they talk about Jesus in the book of John, it says, and the word became flesh. So when we speak them out, it's not some supernatural thing. It's how God made us. And so if there's ever a point where you say, I need forgiveness. I'm your guy. Call me up. Now that doesn't negate believer to believer, right? You can still do that. You could contact any brother or sister in Christ. Say, listen, I got to walk through this. But if you need me for private confession absolution, I can do that. Listen, we can get like extra biblical. I'll bring some water, some like oil. Like we'll get, we'll get old school with it. But listen, I can tell you that when I've sat in those places where people, I've watched weight sit, physically sit on people's shoulders and they go, and this wasn't like planned. This wasn't like, hello, Pastor Ted, I'd like to, to schedule me for private confession and absolution. That wasn't it. We were sitting and talking and all of a sudden the spirit pushed on them to go, this is a sin I've been dealing with and it's my joy. Listen, I don't like, I don't wear the pastor collar. I, I've got my pastor dress at home. I've got my albs. I could wear it. I could suit up for you if that's what you want but I've sat in places where all I do is take my ball cap off and say, listen, as a called and ordained servant of the word and in the stead of Lord Jesus Christ, know this, that your sins are forgiven. Because while it seems so simple that you have called me to this place to be the guy who custodians the keys, God has given us those keys. So they're not just simple things. God releases people. And I have watched joy wash over people when I get to say those words to them. Because you know, when I say that, that is you as the church standing behind me saying, yes, Lord, and amen. Those sins are forgiven.
so we can confess privately, believer to believer. You can do it with me in more of like a, a pastoral capacity, but also we come together in what we call corporate confession and absolution. Now, this doesn't mean like we do it in a high rise or we're all in our suit and our tie. No, corporate is the church body gathered together. Every Sunday, this is for all of us to come together so that if we may be living somewhere out in this world of false righteousness or false self-loathing, each week we come together and we go, no, that's not it. Lord, I confess and you forgive me. Every once in a while, I do um, a public discourse around sermon ideas just to hear what people say. So this time it was on Twitter. Now, I know because of my Lutheran friends, Confession Absolution is a part of it. I said, listen, if you're not Lutheran, but you do this, please feel free to comment. But I said, what are the things that you love about public Confession Absolution? And I got so many great replies of people talking about it is that re- connection to who Jesus is for me. We do confession and absolution. And I will quote one of the tweets to touch grass, to walk outside and remember whose we are, to reach down in this world where it seems like everything is false and fake. We can walk outside and connect with the creator and say, this is who we are. We will do it every week, at least while I'm your pastor, because I believe it's important for us. It's this back to school thing. Confession and absolution is something we do because it reminds us whose we are. It brings us back to our identity. We don't live in some fairy tale where we think we're better than we are or we think we're worse than we are. Instead, we live in the reality that says, I am a saint who is struggling with sin and the Lord has given me an incredible tool to confess my sin and live in the reality of his forgiveness. And that transforms who I am. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. We know that we are people who don't get things perfect. That we are a people who struggle with sin. Lord, don't let us live in the fairy tale realms. Let us live in reality that confesses that sin and receives that forgiveness. And let it wash us and make us new so that we can live in a peace that passes understanding. And may our joy be full. Lord, let us confess, let us be absolved, let us live and follow you. In your son Jesus' name, amen.